1: Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron, and Michigan State comes away with the fourth win of the season, 79 to 61, uh, over Western Michigan. Fifth win. Fifth win, I'm sorry, fifth win. Fifth win, yep. Uh, and, you know, Rod, in a lot of ways this is a little bit like Detroit game in that, yeah, It was pretty close all the way. I mean, on paper, you look at the stats and you think, wow, well, this was pretty good. They shot well, you know, didn't rebound too well, but it just
0: didn't, it just didn't feel like they played very well tonight. No, and I think that's primarily down to two things that are staples of Michigan State basketball rebounding and defense. I thought that, um, the rebounding effort was once again lacking. Let's put it that way. I mean, Western actually out rebounded MSU on the offensive boards ten to nine. That's <laughs> yeah. they did they, that's not a ton of offensive rebounds. That's in thirty-six. So let me see, real quick math. Thirty six. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a twenty seven point seven percent offensive rebound rate. So it's not as if Michigan State gave up, you know, just got abused on the offensive boards, but this is a game where you should be doing the abusing. Mm-hmm. You really should. And they didn't. And then I thought defensively, um, this was a, a bad game until late. And I'll tell you my personal opinion of where it turned. Uh, I think where, where Michigan State finally put the hammer down, people are going to focus on Joey Hauser's threes, which were important. Don't get me wrong. But, where they won it, where they put it away, in my opinion, had to do with a defensive adjustment they made. They sat Rocket Watts, who, look, you and I and everybody listening knows he's an outstanding individual defender, but he was terrible today. Yeah. Terrible. And it didn't change until they substituted Foster Lawyer for him. Now, Foster was just kind of incidental to it. But Aaron Henry was put on B. Artist White. And that was ball game mm-hmm. because B artist white couldn't get past Aaron couldn't see over him. You saw a couple times he could barely initiate offense
1: because <laughs> Aaron was
0: all over, yeah. him, you know, knocking the ball off. And there was one time where Aaron thought he had an over and back dates. the official said it went off Aaron. I don't think it did, but um, regardless, that's where the game was won. I mean, Aaron Henry had trouble finishing tonight, but, and everything else, especially defensively, do not shortchange that. He was the key to putting this thing away. Because before that, B. Artist White was having a few. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know I hyped him up. Uh, you know, his numbers actually, what he get? Uh, he ended up with, sorry, I can't, I can't see the point total here. Um, but, uh, definitely had a, definitely had a strong, strong night, um, 9, 11, 13, so 19, 19. points. Yeah, I got yeah. It. But keep in mind, I don't think he scored for the last seven minutes of the game, mm. but he was seemingly en route to, you know, a 25-point or so night, basically the kind of night Antoine Davis had, but more efficiently. And Aaron Henry put an end to that. It wasn't just him. I mean, Western in general, this is the second game in a row that a team really drove the ball well against Michigan State after they played a team that's built to do that in duke and shut them down mm-hmm. for the last 30 minutes of that game. So very disappointing. I think some lessons were learned hopefully. Um that's what Rocket sitting was absolutely about. I'll be shocked if you don't in that's why he did it because Rocket didn't have a bad game at the other end. It was his defense. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and shocking to me on one level because, as I mentioned in our preview, he played AAU for years with B. Artist White. He knows his game. But I think the part of it maybe I didn't give enough uh, credence to yeah. is I did mention I thought B. Artist White maybe was a little under-recruited. I thought he might have been able to sneak into the lower echelon of the Big Ten, and that didn't happen. But I think you saw tonight why I thought that. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I didn't, we didn't even talk about it. I know we mentioned he's the son of a former Spartan, Benny White. But I'll guarantee you there was some personal uh, emotion on the line for him in this game. Wanting to show Michigan State up, show them what they passed on. You know, his dad's alma mater didn't recruit him, You know, didn't offer him all of that. And I'll bet that had him ready to go and he had a great game and he's a good player anyway, without that kind of motivation behind him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, to me it's, but, but take the, take the first 33 minutes of the game. And it was a pretty poor defensive performance by Michigan state. I mean, Western's numbers are nothing to write home about 39% overall from the floor. That's, that's Okay. You know, if you're Michigan State, you can live with that. The three-point percentage was 38.5%, but they only took 13 of them. So MSU did a pretty good job limiting that. Um, but I just – I didn't feel – you know, and it wasn't just driving the ball either. I think uh, the right kid inside really worked Michigan State's post guys mm-hmm. for a lot of that game until, again, I think maybe he ran out of gas a little bit. And also I think the, the combination of Joey Hauser and Malik Hall down the stretch, finally proved to be an effective one defensively for MSU. But hey, I, you know Michigan State did some things very poorly, in my opinion. I don't want to take anything away from from Western Michigan. Uh, I think they played pretty well, and I'm with Robbie Hummel who did the color on the on the broadcast today. I don't think that's a last place team in the MAC. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if that's a last place team, simply because. And I've, you know, the Big Ten this year more than in some recent years is playing a lot of MAC schools. So I've seen probably five, I think, so far. Uh, Bowling Green and Ohio, I've seen, they're both very good. They're probably clear cut better than Western. But I saw Ball State the other day against Michigan. I don't think Ball State uh, has a combination that's as good as, right, as white and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think Western, I think Western's going to be okay. And I'm not predicting a tournament bid, but, uh, they look better than a last place team to me. And I think that's totally apart from whatever Michigan State struggles were, which were many in some respects.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, some really good news on, uh, how was your shooting today? Yeah. You know, 24, 10 rebounds, four assists, uh, a block, two steals, no turnovers. Uh, this is yeah. obviously his best, his best game so far with Spartan. Well, he was, he, he, was he was great in his career.
0: Uh, uh definitely the best in MSU. Yeah, yeah, there's a chance that I'd have to look at his Marquette performance his freshman year, but I think you're right. That was the interesting thing. You know, Izzo said that he had kind of a deep bruise. He said it in the pregame and it, it sounded like maybe, it didn't sound like he was going to sit out, but that maybe they were going to be Kind of cautious with him, and for stretches they were, but he still ended up paying, playing twenty-seven minutes. I think that last eight, nine minutes or so, he played all of it, all until the very end, I should say. But at, at crunch time, when the game was still you know, in doubt, and it was because they had to. Mm. I mean, Michigan State just didn't find another combination. You know, it was a weird game where Marcus Bingham ends up with. What did Markey end up with? I know he did some eight, scoring. Yeah, he ends points. up with eight points, but it was a it was not a great game for Markey. You know, no, I thought defensively so. he had a couple blocks, but Wright just dusted him in the post a couple times. Really sophisticated. All the things we talked about in the preview that people had said about him, that he knew how to use his body to create space. Well, he did all of that, and Markey didn't have a counter. Uh, Julius Marble was kind of quiet in this one just didn't didn't do a lot um Malik Hall was in there when they pulled away but uh you know didn't have a loud game didn't produce a lot Kithier was really good really good when he played but he just got himself in foul trouble yeah uh, I thought it was actually the best Thomas played in, in a few games but he just could not play enough so yeah, kind of, you know, shaky there, but they needed every bit of what Joey gave. I thought he was also pretty good down the stretch on defense as well. He was moving better than he certainly was against Detroit. Um, understandable as to why, and as you say, the three-point shot finally got dialed in for him, which is a great sign. Mm-hmm. Six for ten from deep, and the one he hit from about thirty feet—wow, <laughs> uh, that was that was something.
1: Yeah, he's got a, just a smooth stroke. It, it's it's good. Uh, Josh Langford, I thought, had a, a really good game too.
0: Only six points, two rebounds, and five assists. Um, yeah, but the assists, man, let's talk about that because Josh had a couple of passes that were as good as anything Michigan State has shown this year. He had one to Kithier where he was kind of in the corner and hit Kithier around the rim. And then I'm trying. There was another one. I'm drawing a blank on. I know there was another kind of highlight reel pass that he there was had. The one gosh. hander,
1: the one hander, that he caught with one hand and and threw all in one motion to the guy streaking down the middle. Oh, I think that was right. the kid there. That was
0: um. No, or maybe who that was, was the,
1: that.
0: Who was it? You're right, and I'm drawing. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, on that who was it was that, that, that was kithier. It. Was it kithier? Maybe. Yeah. Hey, regardless, I don't want to get caught up in it, but. It was a great, great game for him moving the ball, mm-hmm. and I think you know he was better than some guys defensively. Let's put it that way. Um, had a had a shot block. Uh, I thought had a had a really nice and one mm-hmm. um, in traffic where he's kind of muscled it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he showed some very, very good things, and nice to see him back playing. And maybe the most important thing of all played 23 minutes mm-hmm. yeah. which coming off sitting out a game that's a really good sign Izzo it said uh in the pre-game hey, this is not going to be a deal where they you know load manage Josh Langford they're they're looking to play him regularly and they expect him to go Wednesday and I didn't see any sign that he would have a problem as of at least coming off of this game uh making that happen so good good sign for Michigan State and I think um I think good things for for Josh Langford for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe Brown, um, fifteen minutes, seven points, three rebounds, and assists. Uh, had his shot working again tonight, but uh, four turnovers.
0: Yeah, kind of a kind of a hard game to measure for Gabe because I thought I thought he did some really good things. Obviously, he hit the three that he took. He he also had. Another one, really, really good take to the rim. Uh, I thought he looked more aggressive offensively to, to get to the basket. So that was all good stuff. I thought he, you know, you can't do worse or can't you can't do worse than the way he rebounded against D where he had none. He had three in this game, so that was good to see him more active there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, kind of defensive struggles at time. That's what limited it. You know, he only played 15 minutes, so. Um, Kind of step forward, step back for Gabe. Overall, I'll say it was a better game than we saw him play against UAD, but they need, they need more from Gabe Brown. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then so
1: Rocket Watts, uh, 25 minutes, 10 points, a rebound, six assists, uh,
0: which is good considering he didn't have any turnovers. Um, yeah, I, I, offensively, no complaints. I mean, you know, he took a shot or two that, we're sort of questionable, but you you know that's how it's going to go with him. He's going to take a certain number of those, that's just how it is, and he's actually going to make some of them. Mm-hmm. So you live with that. I, I think the reason you didn't see his minutes over 30 in this game, my read on it, and I'm, again, I'm going to be shocked if it's not what Izzo says, had all to do with the other end. Look, Rocket Watts is the second-best individual player on this team defensively behind Darren Henry. And he has been really good so far this season. I thought he's done a really nice job. Even the last game against UAD, Antoine Davis, we talked about, has scored 24 points. He had to take 26 shots to get him. Mm. A lot of that came with Rocket Watts guarding him. I thought he was outstanding. In this game, for whatever reason, he never got himself on track. And he was just a step slow and late. The kind of things that even if you didn't have the physical tools that he's got, you know, just understanding an opponent's game would help you. Uh-huh. And he just didn't guard B. artist White. You know, um, that's, you can't have it. And in the end, that's why you see Foster Lawyer with 16 minutes instead of, he probably would have had eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it wasn't that Foster was going to come in and guard anybody because he struggled defensively too. He gave up two buckets on inbounds where he was just late again to recognize it's not stuff that takes athletic ability. He was just late on a shooter. But, uh, but Izzo was determined, I think to teach a lesson and historically the way he does that more often than not is with playing time. Mm-hmm. And so I would, if I were a guard for the university of Virginia, I would be expecting to have the Fury of Hell unleashed on me (laughs) on Wednesday night from Rocket Watts defensively, because I'd be really surprised if he has a second straight poor game. Mm -hmm. I just there's no reason for him to because of the defender we know he is, and I would think he's going to react to that. But offensively, yeah. He was for the for the first three quarters of that game, because that was it was the last quarter of the game that Joey Hauser caught fire. For the first three quarters of that game, Rocket Watts was once again Michigan State's best offensive player. And as you said, six assists, no turnovers, Um, four for nine overall, two for four from three. You can't complain about that. He did a nice job. Mm -hmm. But, man, if you can't guard and we're counting on you to guard, you're going to sit. And that's exactly what happened. Yep, yep. Uh, and so,
1: Kithier, we mentioned a little bit. Six points of rebound and assist, three for three.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a shame that he got in the foul trouble. You know, and it was only three fouls. I mean, they could have come back to him. But obviously in that in that closing stretch, well, there were two things going on. One is in the closing stretch, he doesn't want to win the game. Mm-hmm. So he went with what was his best defensive option, which was Hauser and Hall. Um, but I also think it was pretty clear, by the way – he allocated minutes that Izzo was looking to kind of get everybody some time. If you look at the big men, you've got Kithier with 11, Hauser with 27, um, and then Hall 21, Bingham 12, Marvel 7. Mm. So he kind of spread it around. And until again, until late where he closed with the two guys who were over 20. Um, So, I, I think that was really the reason why he didn't go back to Kithier, but I honestly, I thought Kithier did a decent job defensively, better than some of their other guys guarding right. Yeah. And the one play where he blocked his shot, and, um, and I thought just did a better job in total standing up to him on defense. And then he was who he is offensively. He was three for three. So he finishes plays around the rim, and that's that's what we expect Thomas Kithier to be. So, and he moves the ball well on offense. So, um, you know, good things from him in that regard.
1: Uh, and then Aaron Henry, who comes off the bench uh, to start this game, but he's still got 31 minutes, 12 points, yeah. four rebounds, five assists. Doesn't quite that, have his three-point shot going yet.
0: But... No, and it, and it looks – Right now, I think he's struggling with it because I know he's struggling with it. You don't need me to tell you that. You just look at the numbers. But visually, he's aiming it. He's aiming it and pushing it. The shot doesn't – it's not like you could say, well, the shot looks good. They're just not falling. The shot doesn't look good right now. The thing is, his two-point jumper, his mid-range shot, looks fine, and the results have been pretty good there. Mm -hmm. So this is, in my view, largely – yes, it's mechanical – but it's more than that probably psychological to me. Uh-huh. He needs a bust-out game the way Joey Hauser got it. He's not going to keep shooting like this. I, I, I just don't believe that. But even if he does, he's so valuable to Michigan State. And the reason you see those minutes is because they needed him to do what he did defensively, where he just got locked up on B. Artist White and said no more. Mm-hmm. And that was game. That was it. I, I thought he was outstanding defensively. One of the few guys you could say that about tonight. <laughs> I just thought he was outstanding. And the other things, you know, four rebounds, um you know, okay, you'd he, hope for more, but not bad. Five assists, uh, only one turnover. I thought he, I thought he played a, a typically solid floor game and at times, once again, looked like the man on the floor, the physically strongest guy, the guy who's just going to, I think the way Robbie Hummel put it is he's going to take away half the floor. And he compared him to Tony Allen in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a, I, that's a good comparison. You know, Aaron, what Aaron is showing this year, I think people get caught up on the offensive end of things and think um, that's where he has to prove his worth as a pro. And that's part of it for sure. He's got to hit shots. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. But I, I will also tell you that I will guarantee you there are NBA people that are more excited about Aaron Henry than they were a month ago, just based on what he's showing defensively, because he was a very good defender last year and even as a freshman. But he wasn't this. He has gone up a gear defensively to where he's not only rock solid doing his job. He is eliminating people. And that's there's a difference, you know, for being a good. Right now, he's playing. In my opinion, now I haven't, you know, I've I've seen a lot of the Big Ten play already this year. I haven't gotten locked in on it yet with with every team, but there's no way there's anybody in this league playing better defense than he is individually, and maybe not in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's playing defensive player of the year kind of basketball.
1: Yeah, that one so, block he had came on the almost the uh, like, almost the identically same play as the one that uh Raphael Cruz got by Rocket Watson in the first half. <laughs> the,
0: the, the, there you go.
1: <laughs> it was almost the it, exact
0: same thing, but
1: yet Henry put difference. it into the now, stands.
0: <laughs> it's, it's no knock on Rock because Aaron Henry is three inches taller and physically stronger and probably just about as mobile. He's in the same ballpark athletically. He might not be quite as quick, but he makes up for that by – by virtue of greater size, greater length, and, and greater um, greater leaping ability, you know. Uh, but he's just Rocket Watts is a really, really good defensive player. Aaron Henry is an eliminator. Mm. There, there is a difference, you know. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. The last guy Michigan State's had like Aaron Henry. Um, I have maybe, maybe BJ Dawson, maybe who could just go out and, but BJ was a little different because they tended to use him more on post players. Mm. You know, he was versatile defensively too, but you tended to see him show up more on interior guys. Whereas Aaron Henry is an all purpose destroyer out there. right now. <laughs> Um, but I'm telling you, he, he's a problem, and, and it's we, we've talked quite a bit this season about one of the nice aspects on Michigan for Michigan State this year is that they got a lot of different cards they can play in the deck, and this is one that really matters. If if other guys are struggling for whatever reason, and somebody else on the other team is going off, they've got an option. They've got a guy short of a five man. They've got somebody that you could put on anybody one through four in Aaron Henry and say, go guard him and, and that kind of versatility. Wow. Um, you probably have to go back to Travis Walton. They would very occasionally put Travis Walton on a four. More <laughs> often than not, it was one through three, you know, Aaron's two or three inches bigger than Travis was. So he's mm. got that advantage, but it, it's been a long time since they've had somebody like that. So I think other than the shooting, I think a pretty good night for Aaron Henry. You know, he's one of a few guys who can feel pretty good about their games tonight, even though, you know, five for 13 doesn't, uh, doesn't excite you. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then Hall, um, 21 minutes, two points, four rebounds and assists. I kind of got lost a little bit out there.
0: Quite a, a quietly effective night though, because I thought, I thought he was, he was in the game and did his job. Defensively when MSU put the game away. He was hmm. part of that. Uh, so I'll, I'll still give Malik passing, passing grades, even though the production was not where it's been lately. As you said, you the know, the bucket uh, he made was
1: really nice though. It was. <laughs> like so a little a nice turnaround. Turnaround. Kind of yeah he's,
0: yeah. he's, he's a very capable offensive player. I think we just, you know, I don't know how much they're going to feature him this year, but a very capable offensive player. You know, four rebounds. One assist, he did have the one turnover, had a steal. Uh, but, again, a, a kind of a less obviously productive, but I think he was steady when they needed somebody steady at that position because they weren't getting, you know, it was Kithier with solid trouble, Marble just not really imposing himself on the game, Bingham up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, They didn't have anybody else really doing that, so it was important that Malik stepped up.
1: Uh, in, uh, Bonnie Sissoko, <laughs> only three minutes, but four points and two rebounds, two for two from the floor. Uh, but he had yeah. some nice looking, a nice shot, uh, there.
0: Uh, also had a defensive play that forced a turnover.
1: Yeah. Um, he's just a wrecking ball out there. I mean,
0: the, I'll tell you the thing that I liked though, which should excite everybody. I thought that second bucket, well, both of them actually, because the first one he got off a pick and roll with AJ Hogarth. And the pass was not a great one, but it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. with Matty Sissoko because of his size, you know, uh, his length. He's going to be able to go make a play, and he did. He had a nice catch and then gathered himself and finished. Yeah. Uh, but the second one, a nice post-up turnaround shot in the middle of the lane, that was impressive. And if, if you saw Michigan State's bench react to that, everybody got up. Mm-hmm. And it's for good reason because – that's the kind of thing that you'd expect Maddie wouldn't really be ready to do yet. Yeah. That's, a, that's an ex, a more experienced basketball player. And the fact that he did it and looked smooth, that bodes well for the future. So there are good things to come from Maddie Sissoko. I, I'm convinced of that. <laughs> well, any, any, anything else from the players? If um, we didn't talk about Hogarth seven minutes in this game. Had a couple boards, one assist, over uh, two from the floor. You know, I I, I will say this: I was kind of harsh about AJ's performance against U D, and I've since rewatched some of what he did. Maybe I didn't give him quite enough credit because although there were a lot of mistakes, there were also some nice, mature plays with the ball. And tonight, although they weren't loud, um, I thought. I thought he looked okay i i just I think that he's not he's not a guy who's going to go out and score for you very much right now that's he's not dialed in yet enough to do that mm. uh, i I have my questions about him defensively, but the one thing that's good is that he has size. Yeah. So he's playable. You at least don't have the problem you've got when you come in with Foster, let's say, where, you know, you might get exploited a little bit physically. You're not going to have that with A.J. Hogard. Um, you know, he can hold up physically at this level. And he does make generally pretty good passing decisions. So, I mean, there's certainly hope for him to pull it together. I think with both he and Maddie, it's probably going to be, if it happens this year, I would think, you know, maybe February before those guys are reliable enough that you would trust them in a, in a big 10 game and big minutes. Um, you know, important minutes, I should say to contribute. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think either one is there yet, but you know, that's the other thing too. Give credit to Izzo and he generally does this, but he's really doing it this season. He is serious about this playing everybody because I don't know when I might lose someone you know, to COVID thing. He's serious about it. I mean, there's every single scholarship guy is seeing minutes. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Sissoko is granted we're at garbage time tonight, but Hogarth's weren't. Uh, and at least his first stint wasn't. And everybody else is playing, you know, regularly. It's frustrating. I mean there were there were definitely segments in that game where Western's keeping it close and I'm looking at the lineup on the floor and thinking, Coach <laughs> You're not. You're not even giving yourself a chance to put these guys
1: away. Mm -hmm. Um, It does feel like sometimes it's it's hard for guys to get in the rhythm. Uh, Yeah, it it
0: is. It is, and that's the that's the problem. Is it's this double edged sword where you're saying, um, I got to keep everybody ready to go because I might need them, but then on the other hand, do you have everybody sufficiently ready to go? So they're able to actually make plays. Are they getting enough of an opportunity? And you can't give 12 guys those kind of minutes. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And look, I think we'll almost certainly on Wednesday, I would think, see the rotation shrink a little bit against Virginia. Um, I still think we'll see a lot of guys playing, but probably not for the kind of minutes that we've seen. Um, it's it's going to be a, a little different deal. Uh, I think you'll see, you know, Hauser's and Henry's and Watts, as long as he's guarding somebody. Um, those guys, for sure, are going to play heavy minutes. And then from there, it's probably going to, you know, Josh will play a lot. And then from there, it's going to depend on, you know, who's playing well. But I don't think they're necessarily going to keep filtering these guys in and out the way they have been. That's just... That, that's nothing Izzo's done historically, and I don't think it's a recipe for success this year either. Eventually, he's going to settle on a little tighter, you know, nine-man group, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say Brown is for certain <clears throat> that group. Um, you know, Hall is. Uh, lawyer, almost certainly. And then from there, you know pick. Marble, Bingham, you know... Uh, tough <laughs> yeah it's tough to sort out right now you know Julius Marble had two straight really good games and then tonight against an opponent that frankly I think he should you know physically there are no issues he should have been able to he didn't do anything in the minutes that he got so you know I another day another opportunity to carve out that role but I think it's I think it's it's going to be mix and match to some extent but I don't think it'll be quite the way that it's been if that makes any sense
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: From night to night, it could be a different guy, but it'll probably be mostly that guy that night, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, if we look at the keys, um,
0: rebound is the number one key. Yeah. Again, not very good. Disappointing. And look, here's the deal. Um, you're going in to, on Wednesday, to face Virginia. And Virginia is, I don't think, and I'm going to pull up Ken Palm, we'll, we'll obviously do this in a preview with more, um, more specificity, but, um, you know, Virginia historically I don't think is a dominant defensive or rebounding team by any means. I'm looking at their numbers last season. They were really good as a defensive rebounding team. I guess that's not surprising. They were 18th in the country last year on the defensive boards, only 228 on the offensive end. And the year before that, uh when they won the national title, they were 50th on the defensive end, 101st on offense. Yeah, so their profile, as I'm scanning past the last few years, kind of similar to a Wisconsin team. Not too surprising, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pretty good yeah they're pretty good on the defensive boards they're not usually great offensively but the thing about them is a typical virginia team and i don't expect this game to be any different is going to test you physically if you think back to those two ncaa tournament meetings michigan state's had it you know within the last whatever it is seven eight years um and virginia still kind of plays that way Mm. It's, it's a war physically. It's an absolute war. And, and that means that you're going to have to strap it on and board. And you might have heard Hummel mention it during the game that he talked to Izzo. And Izzo, of course, is concerned about it. And he says that it's something else that the pandemic has hurt because he said they just haven't had the time to pay attention to defensive rebounding the way that they normally would. Now, I think that's a little disingenuous in this sense. They are pretty bad defensive rebounding by MSU standards last year, and they had lots of time. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something that the last couple of years with this group of players has just not been an area where they've locked in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they need to. They need to because, you know, with Big Ten play coming up, I don't think it's going to be any different this year than it's ever been. If you might You might recall this last season. We would go through these previews, and it seemed like every other night you were seeing a team that was top 15, top 20 in offensive rebounding percentage Yeah, in the Big Ten. That the,
1: the influx of big guys is just sure, really made it hard.
0: You know, lots of teams boarded well last year. Um, I don't think it's going to be any different in the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State better figure that end of the game out. I'll just put it that way. Tonight, you know, Western Michigan was not a big team by any means, but, you know, a a, a little more conventional in some ways. And yet, as I'm looking at their numbers, I want to see what their big guys did. You know, Wright had 10 rebounds. Lee had six. So their two big guys had 16 rebounds. That's they they came and Wright had five offensive boards they kicked michigan states you know what at times today this was not a smaller quicker guy chasing down a missed three Mm -hmm. this is i'm going to war inside with you and i'm whipping your ass that's what it was for too much of this game can't have it Mm -hmm. can't have it and I think you know, as we were just talking about how the rotation starts to sort out, and it's a, it's especially congested on the interior. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a guess that whoever, you know, I think you can count on Hauser and Hall, but whomever else decides to step up and in that group, they're going to see the minutes. Mm. That's that's my guess. Uh,
1: so then the. Um second key turnovers uh, overall. It didn't wind up too bad with 11 a piece, um, but man, there was yeah. a stretch there
0: where they had five in a row. Yep. If you took that away, it was great. Not totally surprising. You know, we said that it would probably be a little different than what we've seen in recent games. Cause I didn't expect Western to get out there and aggressively ball pressure and they did. not mm. So, it's not like Michigan State faced a team doing that and beat the test, you know, but on the other hand i'm not gonna I'm not gonna say eleven turnovers is an improvement because it was, and as you say, it was one really bad stretch where they had like half of them yeah, so yeah. you you take that away, you actually had a pretty damn good performance um so yeah a a small positive let's put it that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then shooting, um, 38% from three-point uh, percentage,
0: mostly <laughs> due to Hauser. Uh, wow. Well, and, and and that's been the pattern. We talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. That Michigan State can't seem to get multiple guys going. Um, you know, the, the good news for Joey Hauser is he came into the game three for 13. He's now – Nine for 23 on the season, which is 39%. So after one game here, that's put his season shooting into more of an area that we would have expected. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, the rest of the team, Rocket was two for four, so that was okay. Langford one for three. Gabe only got one up and hit it, but then you got Henry O for four. I'm not counting Jack Hoyberg. Uh, Hogarth 0 for 1, Hall 0 for 1, Lawyer 0 for 1. Um, so, again, they can't. I, there was a point, you know, with the way they started, I think they hit four in their first five, where I did think, okay, maybe what we talked about, that somebody is going to get hit with Michigan State just going out and hitting 50% uh-huh. as a team. It didn't quite happen. Tonight, but the good news is maybe that happens in Charlottesville. <laughs>
1: uh, it's <laughs> coming.
0: It's going to happen. The They've got too advantages. many good shooters, you know. And and as we said, Joey Hauser tonight steps up and has that kind of game. You know, I guess I guess one way you can look at it, and this isn't how Tom Izzo wants to live, and I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it either. But the one thing you could say is, despite the overall mediocrity of the three-point shooting as a team every single night they've had one or two guys step up and give them what they needed mm-hmm. yeah. right and that has happened every single night they've had somebody step forward and do it so that's a good element to have it's it's maybe yeah it's maybe better than everybody's just kind of putt-putting along at a kind of mid middling level mm. they're, they're having somebody step forward every night I, I still think we're going to see a game here soon where they just unleash it and and you have three or four guys going mm. you know? but um it was okay tonight I can't say it was the total breakthrough I was hoping for but um you know their overall shooting um was okay uh you know again not not really sure yet what kind of what kind of team Western is, but 51% overall from the floor, um, you know, okay. Mm. It was okay. Uh, So the fourth key, pace. Yeah, you know, I thought at times, at times, which is what we've seen in every game, at times they really look to push the ball well. I don't know if we've seen it consistently enough yet. And part of it is that they haven't really just locked up on the defensive glass. Mm -hmm. You know, that would do a world of good if you were consistently getting defensive stops and clearing a defensive rebound cleanly and just getting into the break at times they do it, but not all the time. Mm
1: -hmm. And it did seem like they, they sort of wore out, um, Toward that, about that seven minute mark of the second half, that's pretty much where it fell off.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, part of why that happened, I think, is that Michigan State's defense finally turned up a notch. Mm -hmm. You know, when you've got, when you've got Aaron Henry wearing out your, your point guard and your best scorer in white, that's going to have an impact, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I think it showed up. So, that's the fifth key, defend the arc, which, they figured out with Henry
1: toward the end of that game.
0: Yeah, you know the thing is, you can one thing you could say is, hey, they only took 13 threes after they put up what was it, eighteen against Butler, mm-hmm. um, and they only they only had five makes, so pretty good, right? But the flip side of that is, I think you could also fairly say Western didn't need to shoot that many because they were blowing by Michigan State's perimeter guys too <laughs> yeah, long, that's or. Or right was wearing them out in the post. Uh, you know, and I want to mention something about the post before I, before we, we finish this. One thing that I think Michigan State is not doing enough of offensively. We saw glimpses of it tonight, but not enough, not consistently, is they're not playing through the post as much as I would like to see Mm -hmm. because they've got guys that could do it. Joey Hauser, the great game from three, right? No, no doubt about that. But Joey Hauser is also a really good post player and he's spending a lot of time on the perimeter, helping facilitate the ball. I'd like to see them get him on the blocks. You did see some effort late uh, to get Aaron Henry, the ball, on the blocks, and although he didn't finish, he had a couple of really nice moves inside, and that is what you want to see. You know, they did it occasionally. You know, Bainham had a play or two. um, You know, Malik Hall, Marvel has shown to be really good, and yet they didn't get him any post touches in this game to speak of. I just, I think Michigan State's got guys who can do work inside, and yet we're just not seeing a lot of it thus far. Mm Mm-hmm. And and I think that needs to change. Now, now one thing I will say that I haven't seen, which is actually encouraging, because this has been a problem with certain teams. I can go back to that, um, the Kalen Lucas era. Michigan State's perimeter guys of that era were really bad post-entry guys. They just, uh, they weren't great at making the post-entry, and they were all too often just, totally impatient and unwilling to wait for a guy to clear and then find him he mm-hmm. used to drive me crazy uh and i used to talk about it a lot on you know on previews that were mostly written at that time but um it was it was really really hard to watch because michigan state in that era had some guys go on suton especially later in his career raymar morgan was a reasonably good post player Mm -hmm. they had some guys who could do it and they would never consistently do it um of late they've been better you know um last year they didn't really have a reliable guy but i don't think that's the case this year because i think aaron henry has improved in that area i think julius marble is improved and they now have Joey Hauser who absolutely has that element to his game. I'd like to see them start using it more and I think they'll be tougher to defend if they do. Mm.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's definitely some times in this game where it just felt like everyone stands around and then they take a th- three. Yeah, And it's not exactly. like the three was like it, – it was open to some degree, but it's like, man, if that's all you're going to do,
0: yeah, it's if, not in it's rhythm, just, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. It's not coming in rhythm, and that's that's a really important point. That is a big part of the value, and it's missed by a lot of people. It's not just what you get done in the paint. Mm. It's the rhythm that you can establish your offense playing with. In my opinion, there is no better way, aesthetically and also in terms of the efficiency, to play than inside out. Now, you can do that in different ways. You can establish an inside out game with drive and kick. You know, if you're getting penetration and your penetrator can find shooters on the arc, that's a core finish, depending upon the way the play unfolds. That's a good way to do it. But one way Michigan State historically has done it is via post ups. Mm-hmm. And they've got, geez, I mean, if you're posting up Joey Hauser or Aaron Henry, that is almost the perfect world because if, if an opponent brings a double against either of those guys, they're outstanding passers. This is not a Nick Ward scenario.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they those guys are gonna and you did see a little of it tonight, but we need to see a lot more of it. You know, Thomas Kithier in the post, really good passer. I think Marble and Hall have shown that at times. So they they need to go to that more and it will help establish a better offensive rhythm. And you know what that'll do? Playing that way more consistently, I bet the house will help that three-point shooting percentage for this team. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And, and it they'll, gives get them a, looks, they'll get
1: better looks and rhythm. It, it gives them – if somebody's making moves in the post, it gives the other big man some opportunity to go after the rebound a little bit easier. That or
0: slip slip to the basket and get an easy layup or a dunk. Yeah, yeah. Lots of Lots of things you can get done – When you do that, when you establish that, I think Michigan State just hasn't done that enough so far this year. So hopefully we see that change. Mm -hmm. I I did see, again, I saw some signs of it late with Aaron Henry, which I was encouraged by. I'd like to see more. And and a lot more of it with Joey. Right now, Joey Hauser's living a lot on the perimeter. And I don't think it's – I honestly think it is by design. I think they've got him doing that because they want him to do that. They want him to help. And, um, well, geez, I mean, his shots
1: are wide open. I mean, yeah, I don't know what the deal is, why they're not covering him, but
0: well, he'd been off to a bad start, but I, yeah, I don't know if it was a scouting report thing or what, but, um, yeah, you just let's, let's hope that we see more and more of that, Mm -hmm. you know, use those guys.
1: All right. Well, we got, um, Virginia coming up on Wednesday. Any, uh, little teaser, Preview things for that one?
0: They're- I think it's going to be a really tough game. I mean, Virginia has lost a game already this year. They were they were seen as a, a Final Four contender, and I still think are seen that way generally. But um, I would say in the early going, my observation would be, I think the reason they were seen that way is that the expectation was, you know, last year coming off a national championship, they lost a lot of guys, and they were relatively down. Now it's kind of like Michigan State. A down year means you're an NCAA tournament team, but you're just not expected to go real deep. Mm-hmm. That's a down year, Virginia. So it wasn't like they were god awful. But I think people looked at the fact that they returned most of those guys, and were adding Sam Hauser, Joey's older brother from Marquette, and figured, okay, they're going to be much improved offensively because that was the that was the deal. Virginia was not too far off the mark of where they usually are as a defensive group mm-hmm. last season. I mean, uh, real quick, since we're talking about it, we will obviously go into much more detail on this in the preview, but they were the number one defense in the country, actually, in terms of defensive efficiency. So if I compare that to the year prior, they were only number five. So they were actually better, but, their national championship season, they were also number two in offensive efficiency. Mm. The year before that, number 30. The year before that, number 50. Before that, number eight. 21. 27. you got to go back to 2013 to see them at number 83. That was the last time they are outside of the top 50 on offense, except last year where they were number 234. Mm-hmm. So they were horrific offensively. I think people assume all these guys coming back, they're going to be a year older. They had a very good offensive player in Sam Hauser. Of course, they're going to be much better offensively. They'll be really great defensively too. And that'll add up to a national title contender. Mm -hmm. Not a crazy theory, but thus far, I don't think you can say that it's it's held up. As of tonight, they're not as bad as their defense. This is real early and you can, take from this whatever you like. Um, defensively, they're number three in Palm, but on offense, they're number 58. So they are better, but are they better enough mm-hmm. to be a Final Four team? I would say maybe not. That offense needs to be better than it's been thus far. They played four games. Their three wins are, are against bad opponents. Towson and St. Francis, they blew out. Their, their most recent game, they had to go to overtime to beat Kent State. So maybe not a great sign. And they lost to San Francisco. So I think the start has been not a great one, but it's early. Mm-hmm. And I would expect that it's going to be an extremely difficult game for Michigan State to win. Um, in turn, you know, when I look at their scores, they're not giving up many points. They gave up sixty-four to Kent State and it took an overtime to get there. They gave up fifty one to Saint Francis, sixty-one to San Francisco in their loss, and then gave up fifty four to Towson. So they're not they haven't had anybody really break through on them offensively, which is no surprise. Mm-hmm. So Michigan State is going to have to play an efficient game on offense, and we're going to need to see the defense that we saw against Notre Dame and Duke, not the last two games. Mm-hmm simple right. as
1: that all right well this one's wednesday nine fifteen tip So <laughs> a little late there but um any final words rob no i think that's that's plenty all right until then the final four is not on the schedule
0: at granger we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail